One night I remember sitting on the back porch at the lake listening to an online service.
But there's more that happens and happened at Calvary than just salvation. You know, I can't help but think of probably 3,000 times that I heard my daddy tell the story when he preached. He preached about the time when he was in Bible school up in Tennessee and he was he became burden curtain. He was working and trying to raise a family and going to church and trying to learn how to preach and preaching on the side and just running out both both, you know, everything he had and he, he was working at night and working weekends trying to make ends meet. And I remember Terry saying that one day he sat in a classroom and he said, I don't believe I can do this anymore. He was wore out in the ministry, trying to do what was right for Christ, and he grown weary in the work of the Lord. And he said he got up out of class that day, a little early, and he said, I'm going home. I'm going back to Georgia. We'll pack my little family up and going home. But he said, somewhere between, between school and home, I heard him say this 3,000 times I've ever heard him say it once then. He said, I got a glimpse of Calvary. And he said, when I saw Calvary, and when I saw Jesus hanging on that tree, he said, he gave me what I needed. He said, it's been 30-something years, and I've never turned back.
I want you to know that it is well. It is well. If you want to turn your Bibles to the book of Exodus chapter number 3, I'm going to try to sing this song. And Brother David, I remember we had to turn this thing up. I don't know if you've turned it down or not, but uh, you might need to. You want me to test it real quick? Testing one. See, aren't you glad I remembered that? Because that had scared me to death. Testing one, two. Can you hear me? Hannah. Abby Grace, can you hear me? Shout amen if you can hear me, Abby Grace. Okay, that's good. All right, Exodus chapter number three. We'll get there in just a moment. I've asked Abby on occasion to sing this song, but Abby, I'm going to sing it without you. Okay. This uh, on my heart this morning. When he's like a river, attended my way. When so. Glorious thought, my sin. 
I'm glad for the opportunity to be back in 
this place. And I praise his holy name. I had no idea that we'd start at 11 o'clock with no singing. And I wouldn't get up here to preach until 20 till. But it's been a while since I've been in here, so just buckle up and uh, just hang on. When y'all bring your snacks with you, say amen if you brought snacks. Did y'all bring snacks? All right. I want to preach on this thought today. Excuses, excuses. And most of you, when you hear that, you think about that old song. We hear them every day. Excuses, excuses. That's not the direction I want to go in today. Exodus chapter, I think I told you Exodus chapter 3. Let's go back a couple verses. Chapter number 2, verse number 23. Read a little lengthy passage, but nonetheless, I think it'll kind of paint the picture here. Y'all still with me? Say amen real loud. I can't hear you in this plexiglass, all right? And it came to pass, verse 23, chapter 2. And it came to pass in process of time that the king of Egypt died, and the children of Israel sighed by reason of their bondage, and they cried, and their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage. And God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham and Isaac and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God had respect unto them. Here's chapter 3, verse 1. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to a mount, came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. Verse number two, and the ain't this is this is interesting. I've looked at this, I don't know how many times this week. Notice what it says. The angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, while the bush is not burned. Here's that interesting part. In verse number 2, it says, The angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame. But all of a sudden, in verse number 4, it says, And the Lord saw that he turned aside to see. And then it says, God called unto him out of the midst of of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, Here am I. Now, we're, we're going to continue to read down about verse number 11, but I just love the fact that it says the angel of the Lord. And if you begin to look, you'll see a lot of times, if not every time, you see that phrase, the angel of the Lord, when it is capitalized, when Lord is capitalized, you'll see that that is quite possibly an indication that that was the Son of God there. It was not just an angel such as Gabriel or Michael, but it was a little more uh, important. But then it says, The Lord saw that he turned aside to see, and God called unto him. Verse number 5, And he said, Draw not nigh hither. This is God speaking. Draw not nigh hither. Put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he says, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of that land unto a good land and a large, unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, 
and the Jebusites. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh. Somebody help me. What did Moses say at the very end of verse number 4? Here am I. So now we see in verse number 10 that God says, Come now, therefore, I will send thee unto Pharaoh. He said, Here am I, Lord. I, I'm here. I'm in your presence. Here am I. So God calls him to the carpet and he says, Come on, I'm going to send you to Pharaoh. He said that thou mayest bring forth thy people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? Let's stop reading and pray. Dear God in heaven today, we ask you that you might touch us. I pray that you'd hide us behind the cross of Calvary today. Oh God, we pray today that you might just lift us up. I pray that you'd challenge us and encourage us. Lord, we pray that you'd use us. Give us the boldness. Give us that unction that we so stand in need of today. Lord, we pray that you would, as we mentioned earlier, in spite of ourselves, allow us to lift our hands and our voices to you. Dear God, we ask you today that you would bless us. We thank you, Father, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to preach on this thought, excuses, excuses. Now, if you've ever made an excuse We'll say a series of phrases here. If you've ever made an excuse, this message is for you. If by chance you've ever had a chore to do and tried to get out of it, this message is for you. Say amen, Braylon. If God has ever called you for salvation and you refuse, this message is for you. If God has ever called you to service, this message is for you. I, I, I love what Brother David said about that, that song and going back to Calvary, how Brother Dent had, a, had an experience there at Calvary. It wasn't one of salvation in that aspect of it, but there's a lot of things that God can do when you go back to where you started. There's a lot of things that God can do for you when you go back to where you first met Him. And I firmly believe today that there are some folks that are called to service that might need to go back to Calvary. Not to get saved, not, not, not even to rededicate, just to go back to where it all started. A friend of mine, Brother Justin Pratt, up in Knoxville, Tennessee, he said that salvation is a point linear uh, eternity. In other words, your eternity started, it actually changed your eternity before your experience at Calvary. Your eternity was in hell. But then at Calvary, when you accepted Christ as your Savior, your eternity was changed. Your, 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 uh, the, the rest of your life was changed. But at that point, uh, things begin to happen for God's purpose and for God's calling. And sometimes we need to go back where it started. Have you ever forgotten something and, and you looked and looked and looked and somebody said, well, where'd you leave it? Well, dummy, if I knew where I left it, I wouldn't have to be hunting for it. But what their idea is, well, let's backtrack and go. Let's go the last time you know you had it. Well, if you're like me, you don't even remember that. But I believe we can all remember a day. If we're saved, we can all remember a day when God changed our hearts. You may not remember the calendar date, but you remember the time. You remember the day. You remember the experience. 
we need to go back to that quite often. If you've never been saved and you're fighting with that and you're you know, and God's convicting you, I guarantee you there's some instances in your life that you can go back to. I remember when I heard this message or I remember this conversation with this person or I remember reading the, the Bible. I remember hearing a song. I remember reading a tract. And, and I remember God spoke to me in that. Maybe you need to go back to them and see what God had to say. What we are doing today is we're going back to Moses' first meeting, first real meeting, recorded reading meeting that we have with Moses and God. And God begins to tell him some things, but unfortunately Moses begins to offer excuses. Moses begins to, begins to say certain things, and there's at least five questions here uh, in the next two chapters that we're going to deal with. Uh, but I want you to know that God here in our text that we read, God appeared, of course, to Moses here in chapter 3, the very first uh, three or four verses. And then God begins to plead his case. And God begins to say, you know, I, I, I've heard the, the cries of the children of Israel. And Moses heard those cries too. If you remember when Moses in chapter 2, when he got up old enough, he walked out and he saw the Egyptians abusing a Hebrew. And he killed that Egyptian. He walked out the next day and he saw two Hebrews fighting. And uh, he went to them and he wasn't trying to stir up the pot or anything. He just went to them trying to help. And they got that attitude that so oftentimes we do. And they said, who are you? Are you going to smite us like you smoked that Egyptian? And he ran for his life. He hid. He hid. And we find that he became a shepherd. But now in the midst of his shepherding, God has gotten his attention by this bush that was on fire, but it was not burning. He begins to plead his case and said, Moses, your people, the people that you ran from, they are in bondage and their cries have come up. And I remember and I've heard them and we're going to do something about it. And he begins to tell him in verse number 10, he says that thou come to Pharaoh that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. So we come now to verse number 11. And Moses makes his first excuse. I'm going to try to give you these few things and we'll go to the house. Number one, this excuse, he says, I have no ability. Moses says, I have no ability. Uh, Moses said unto God, verse number 11, who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt. Let me just say, just kind of away from the notes, isn't it funny that when we begin to make excuses, it's all about us? I can't. I don't know how. I, I. What, what happens? Come now, therefore, verse number 10. God says, come on, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh. He says, not only come, another that, that indicates God's presence. You come to me. He says, I am going to send you. So there was a purpose of God here in verse number 10. But Moses in verse number 11, he essentially says, I have no ability. Uh, who am I that I should go into Pharaoh, that I should be the one to bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He says, I have no ability. Who am I? Who am I? Well, let's see what God had to say about verse number 12. And he said, God said, certainly I will be with thee, 
And this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people of Egypt out of the people out of Egypt, ye shall serve God upon this mountain. And so just as he says in verse number 10, Come now, therefore, I will send thee. Now he answers this question of Moses in verse number 11. He answers it in verse number 12. He says, Certainly, of a surety, I will be with thee. But he went on and says, And this shall be a token that I have sent thee. He said, Moses, I understand that you think that you have no ability, but you need to know that I'm going to be there with you and in in an abundance of that, know that you are going for me. I have sent you. We've made the illustration, I'm sure I'm not the only one that has talked about that big brother on the playground. That little brother and his uh, arch enemy are on the playground and they're fighting. And I mean they're going at it because of a swing or because of the or the merry-go-round, whatever they are in the in the a playground, and they begin to fight, and one says to the other, my brother can whoop your brother, or my daddy can whoop your daddy. And all of a sudden, big brother comes on the scene, and that boy that was cowering in the fight, uh, his brother stood behind him, and he began to talk big words. That's the scene that we have here. God says, I understand your concern that you have no ability, but you need to understand that I am going to be there with you. You will not be alone. And today, you are not alone. If you're making excuses about your abilities, you are not alone. Here's a New Testament verse over in the book of Philippians, chapter number 4. We all know this verse. Many people quote it wrong, but we know it. <clears throat> Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. He says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Which strengtheneth me. It is not us that is doing the, the, the work. He says, I can do all things. That's where many people in today's society will end this verse. I can do all things. That's not what it says. I can do all things through Christ, but that's still not all of it. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. It is Christ that gives me the strength to be able to do what he has called me to do. So how, how does this apply to us? Well, I'm just, is it okay if I be transparent with you? you? If you've known me any length of time, you probably already know this, but but I, for, I guess since I've been a very young boy, I have dealt, and some of you have dealt with this as well, the problem of self-esteem. I, I don't have a good self-image of myself. Many times, if we get around one another, I may... There's usually two options for me. I'm either boisterous, I'm either laughing very loud, or I'm very quiet. And part of that is because, uh, it's not because I don't like you. I promise you that. And listen, maybe Miss Sam, she, she bothers me sometimes. She picks on me all the time. But it, 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 it's mainly... One big reason is because I'm uncomfortable around you. It's not you, but it's your personality. Your personality is larger than mine. Your knowledge base is larger than mine. Your um, confidence is more than mine. And so all of my life, I've asked this question. I've made this statement. I have no ability 
Who am I? Well, I'm going to tell you this. 27 years ago, here in about two weeks, two weeks from today, November the 14th, 1993, 27 years ago, I answered the call to preach. You talking about, Brother Terry, Brother Terry, you thought about being scared. I was scared. And the whole time, Miss Kim, I was saying, who am I? Who am I that, that I would answer the call to preach? You have to understand, some of my heroes were Noah Fry. I don't know if you know Brother Noah Fry, but he was a great man of God. Brother Earl Hughes, Brother Sandy Allen, Brother Joe Arthur. I know most of you know Brother Joe. And even back then, 20-something years ago, Brother Joe was a hero of mine. He used to preach in all those youth camp meetings we had down in Florida and just would tear the rafters off. I mean, he was one of my heroes, but but in that, those those are just four of the men. My pastor, Brother Gary Munson, he was a hacker. I listened to him, uh, or didn't listen to him, but I listened to another preacher preach the other day, and it took me back to those first few times that I was at church. Brother David, you ever listened to a hacking preacher? Man alive, Brother Gary Munson, he didn't just, huh, huh. I mean, it was like every other word. He was, he was, and I sat on the back pew, nearby the back pew with some friends of mine, and I thought for sure this old boy was fixing to kill over. I thought for sure he was going to die, Miss Tabitha. He was having to die, but I, I said, I that you need to hurry. I can't get behind my, I got to stay behind my place. He said, he said, you got to, you got to, and he would, he would, he would hack. And I'm telling you, I loved it. Once I, once I got used to it and realized he wasn't fit to kill over, I learned to love it. But in that, those were the molds that I thought all preachers should fit in. They, they should all fit in molds like Joe Arthur and, and, and Lord help us all, Brother Earl Hughes. There's only one Earl Hughes. I thought that's what preachers should be like. I didn't have the knowledge like these men. I didn't have the charisma like these men. Who am I was my question to God. But God showed me in a period of time, about a month or so, that he had already called those men. And he had already heard their answer. They had already accepted the call to preach. They had already accepted the call to service. But then he began to tell me he didn't need another Noah Fry. He didn't need another Joe Arthur. He already had a Noah Fry. He already had a Joe Arthur and all these other preachers. But he needed me. He needed my heart. He needed my abilities. He needed my obedience. And today, I want you to know that you may be standing bold faced to God and you've already heard Him call your name for service or for whatever it may be. And you're saying, who am I? I have no ability. Understand that God desires that you do away with your excuses and just follow Him. All of your abilities, if I can say this, all of your abilities are dependent on God anyway. Those that can sing, sure, there may be talent. Anybody can get up and sing. But for God to truly use that, that comes from God. Amen. Number two. He says in verse number 13, we're in Exodus chapter number three. We read this last week. And Moses, verse 13, and Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and say unto them, 
the God of your father said, send me unto you. What shall, what, and they shall say to me, what is his name? What shall I say unto them? Essentially, he says here in verse number 13 that I have no message. What am I supposed to say? He's already said I don't have any ability. Now he's saying I have no message. What am I supposed to tell them? What shall I say unto them? God said, verse number 14, unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am I am has sent me to you. We read this again, verse number 15 last week. And God said, moreover, in case that's not good enough, God says, Tell them that uh, uh, thus thou shalt say unto the children of Israel, The Lord, God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, hath sent me unto you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial unto all generations. He says, Moses, I hear what you're saying. You have no message. You don't know what to say. You don't know what to preach. You don't know what to tell them. He said, just tell them I am that I am. This was not an instruction to Moses to take the credit. And for Moses declaring his own voice to say, I, Moses, am that I am. No, that's not what he's saying. He says, I want you to declare God. I want you to declare who I am. And folks, today, if we ever forget to declare who God is, we miss the mark. Whether you're a God-called preacher or you're a lay member, we have a message, and that is to lift him up today. I read this last week, a little bit of this last week, this, this phrase, I am that I am. It is, that, uh, it is another phrase that, that goes back to Jehovah. And it says that he is self-existent. He has as his, he has his being of himself and has no dependence upon any other. Now that's what we read last week. Let's add to that. Being self-existent, he cannot but be self-sufficient. And therefore all-sufficient and an inexhaustible fountain of being and bliss. Matthew Henry says, listen. God is not only sufficient, but he is all-sufficient. And in his all-sufficiency, he is inexhaustible. This is who he is. Night or day or midday, he is God. At the end of our life or at the birthing room, he is God. Uh, during conviction, at salvation, and at our crossing, he is God in sin or in the throne room with God being wor worshiping God. He is God. It does not matter when or where you may imagine God. You must imagine him as he is. He says, I am that I am. I'll never change. There's a New Testament answer here as well over in 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, verse number 3, verse number 4. Let's look at it real quick. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he arose the third day according to the Scripture. Now let's stop reading right there and just, just reiterate what our message ought to be. Well, the Apostle Paul told the church there at Corinth, he says, I'm preaching to you what I heard. What have you heard? Have you heard 
Jesus, then preach Jesus. Have you heard the good news of the gospel? Then preach the good news of the gospel. Have you heard about God on the mountain? Then preach about God on the mountain. Have you heard that God is God in the valley? Then preach that God is God in the valley. Paul says, I am preaching to you what I have heard. What was that message? He says that Christ died for our sins. That he was buried and that he rose again the third day. He says, I'm preaching to you what the word of God has prophesied and what the word of God has said. Moses says, I have no message. God says, just tell him who I am. I tell you what, if we run out of, if we run out of things to preach, we ought to just preach him. I've told you this before. I had a lady come to me years ago, and, and I was scared to death about the, 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 the new pastor there in Knoxville, and I didn't know what to do. And she said, just preach Jesus. And folks, if we'll just lift him up, matter of fact, Jesus says, and I, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. All we've got to do is lift him up, and he'll do the rest. We've got to Mark chapter 16, verse 15 tells us what we should do. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel unto every creature. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 23 and 24. But we preach Christ crucified. And this message, he says, unto the Jews a stumbling block, unto the Greeks foolishness, verse 24. But unto them which are called, both Jew and Greek, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. 2 Corinthians 4, 5 says, For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servant for Jesus' sake. What are we to preach? Let's just preach about the I am. And then number three, and I'm trying to hurry. Number three, he says, I have no authority. Pretty good excuse. He says, I have no authority. Not only who am I, I have no ability not only what shall I tell them, I have no message, but now verse number 4, or chapter 4, verse number 1, and Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice, for they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. Have you ever, <laughs> have you ever tried to tell someone a message, pass on a message from someone in authority, and say, So-and-so says you need, to, you need to do this? A lot of times, we don't say it that way. I'll tell my girls, girls can I pick on y'all? Good. <clears throat> they can't see you anyway. I'll tell my girls, hey, go, go tell them to hurry up. Go, go tell them to get ready. They won't go, Miss Tony, they won't go and say, Daddy says to go get ready. But they'll knock on the door, you need to get ready. Now they don't hear themselves saying that, but I hear them saying that. You need to hurry up. And most of the time, Miss Tabitha, that, that, don't, that don't have a good effect. You can't tell me what to do. You, I have, we went through a little spell. You ain't the boss of me. We nailed that joker down real quick, fast and hurt. That one, I don't know why, Brother David, but that one got under the skin. Brother David, I mean, Brother David's friend, back there in that corner, that got on me. I couldn't hardly deal with it. You ain't the boss of me. Well, then we get, we get to the point where that's ineffective. And so then we finally come to the point where we say, Daddy says to get ready. Dad, Mama said 
there. And Moses is saying, who am I? He says, they're not going to believe me. They're, they're going to say, you've not really heard from the Lord. Well, what, what, what is it that he that God said? He said, I have no authority, is what Moses said. But then in verse number 2, God began to, to do something. I love this. He, he taught Moses some things. And he said, verse number 2, what is that in thy hand? He said, it's a rod. You ever answered God like that? You ever answered Mama like that? What's in your hand, boy? It's a rod. You dummy, it's a rod. Could you imagine maybe the mentality of Moses here? Well, what do you think it is? It's a, it's a stick. It's a rod. Well, God says, cast it on the ground. Threw it on the ground. And it became a serpent. <laughs> Me and Moses, I believe we'd get along real good. Moses fled from before it. It don't matter. White snake, black snake, yellow snake. It's all got the same last name. Snake. Poisonous snake or non-poisonous. Non. Somebody said you can tell how poisonous a snake is by the shape of its eye. You dummy. How you reckon I'm going to get close enough to that snake to see what shape its eye is? Well, you can see from his nose the shape of his head. I'm not ain't gonna, I look, it's got a tail and it ain't got no legs. That thing gonna kill me. Moses fled from before, he said. Let's go on. Y'all still with me, aren't you? I'm just glad to be in the house of the Lord. I'm just taking my time. I gotta go to the house with my wife here in a minute. And I may get in trouble. I don't know. I ain't done with the message. I don't think I'm using her as an illustration anywhere, but we'll see. He fled from him, verse number 3, and the Lord said unto Moses, Put forth thine hand and take it by the tail. Lord, be with Moses. <laughs> and he put forth his hand and caught it. Mm. And it became a rod in his hand. I went to the stick store right then and got me another stick. I cut another tree down somewhere and shaved something. This thing turned into a stick on its own, Miss Pat. Something's defective about this thing. But listen, it became a rod in his hand. He said that they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, hath appeared unto thee. And then he went on. He's, he's finished now with this lesson about the, the rod. But now he goes on in verse number 6. And the Lord said, Furthermore unto him, put now thine hand into thy bosom. And he put his hand into his bosom, and when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous as snow. He says in verse number 7, Put thy hand into thy bosom again. And he put his hand into his bosom and plucked it out. And behold, it was turned again as his other flesh. So we see the picture here. Moses is still reeling, no doubt from the stick turning into a serpent. And God says, just in case they don't believe that, I want to show you something else. Now we're talking about he has no authority, and God's telling him, you do have authority. Remember, God's already said, I will be with you, right? And he says, if I'm going to be with you, then you need to know that you've got the power of God with you. He said, you've got this, this staff and this stick, this rod, throw it down, it'll turn to a serpent, pick it back up. Now there, there's there's... There's a lesson in that later on. We see that those dividers were able to do the same thing. 
But he says, then I want you to take your hand and put it in your bosom. And as he drew it out, it was leprosy. Now, you know the story about leprosy, how unclean it was. He says, now I want you to take it and put it back in. Notice this. It says that in verse number 6 that he put his hand into a bosom, and when he took it out, just casually, Caleb, look here. He took it out, and he looked, and his hand was leprous. Leprous. But then God said, now I want you to put it back into your bosom and pull it back out again. And the Bible says that he plucked it out. Don't you reckon there was fear in his eyes? Don't you reckon, Brother Kenny, there was fear in his heart? Here I am. I'm trying to listen to what God is telling me. I'm trying to tell God that I don't have a message. I don't have the ability. And I sure don't have the authority. And he's telling me to play with snakes. Now I've got a leprous hand. And he tells him to put it in his bosom. And he says he plucked it out. I believe he was scared, Miss Kim. Do I still have leprosy? He plucked it out. And he says that hand was like the, the other flesh. Nothing wrong with it. It was, it was completely him. He says, just in case they don't believe that, I want you to go to the river, and I want you to take, and I'm not going to read it here, read it there in those last few verses there. He said, I want you to take some, some water out of that river and go on dry land. He said, I want you to pour that water on the dry land. And when you do, that water will become as blood. So that's what God has said about this. Now, we need to understand that even in this, God has told us some things. He's given us, we mentioned it earlier, he says we preach not ourselves, but Christ. Now there are some among our religious brethren, I use that word loosely, that they, I firmly believe this, they preach a different Jesus. They worship a different God. In John chapter 4, Jesus talking to the woman of Samaria at the well. He said, there is coming a day when you won't have to worship God in this mountain. He said, but right now you need to understand that God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And I believe that even now there are some that are, that are spreading a false gospel about a false Jesus while worshiping a false God. But we have the absolute assurance that we are serving the God in this path of Abraham, Abraham, Isaac, and of Jacob. We understand we've got the preserved word of God here that we can go to. We can, we can prove over and over and over again that he is God, that he did create the sun, the moon, the stars, the everything in existence. It is God. It wasn't Allah. It wasn't a priest. It wasn't a nun. It wasn't some man. But it was, it is God that did these things. And so we see that he says, you may not have authority, but I want you to know that I, again, I am here with you. He says, these are some signs. Verse number 10, I got hurt. Verse number 10, he says, I have no eloquence. It's a strange excuse. Look at verse number 10. Moses said to the Lord, oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore nor since thou hast spoken of thy servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. Well, if you look over in the book of Acts, Luke, the writer of Acts, says something about Moses. What did I say? Verse 22. And Moses was learned in the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and in deeds. 
Now, I don't know. I don't know the heart of Moses right here. I really don't. I can't say that he is lying. I can't absolutely say that. But I believe fear has completely stricken him, and I believe that he is, he is scared to death of what's fixing to happen and, and what God has called him to do. And he says, God, I, I, I'm, a, I'm of a slow tongue. Yes, I've got, I've got learning. I, I, I've got a lot of book knowledge. He says, but when I get around people, I, I can't speak. My tongue gets tired. And he says, or my, my tongue gets tired, rather. And he says, I, I, I'm not eloquent in my speech. So here he is saying, I have no eloquence. But God says in verse number 11 down through verse 12, you can read it yourself. He says, have I not made man's mouth? He said, have, have I not made the, the deaf and the dumb and the seeing and the blind? Am I not the one that made all of these things? He says, I will teach thee. Look in verse number 12. He says, I will be with thy mouth and teach thee what thou shalt say. Philippians again, chapter number 2 this time. Philippians chapter 2, verse number 13. It says, For it is God with, which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. No matter what God has told us to do, no matter what the charge God has given us, Philippians chapter 2, verse number 13, he says, It is God that allows us to do his will and to do his good pleasure. You, you, you may not have any eloquence, but you need to know that God, he says, I will teach thee what thou shalt say. He says, I will be with thy mouth in verse number 11, 12 of Exodus chapter number 4. But then even in the New Testament, he says that it is God that will allow us to do these workings that he has given us. Now you know this, you probably figured it out even today. Nothing's changed since last this past Wednesday. I stumble. I stammer in some of my words. There's, there's no eloquence, even when I try to be eloquent. Miss Tanya, I, I remember that word that I messed up the other Sunday, and it was uh <laughs> I'm talking about I had it, brother David. Couldn't I'm gonna take every one of y'all when I find out what it was again. Bad. It's bad to get old. I'm there. That just kicked me in the gut, brother. What you call it? Point proven. Point proven, exactly. Amen. I stumbled. And I stammered. Man, I wish I could remember that word. I'm feeling proud of myself. This time, I was going to tell you what it was. But the words, they often come out wrong. I'm saying even when I even when I try to to say something that might make me sound uh, educated, Miss Rachel, I end up messing it up. And so there's really no sense in me doing that. And there's a lot of times that I can't remember the things, or just case in point, or I can't remember what I'm supposed to say. That's why I have things written down. But but I'll tell you this that that after all of these things. After all of my frailties, after all of my shortcomings, 1 Corinthians 1 21 says this. For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. 
I've listened to very educated men preach and teach. I've listened to just, if I could use this word, country bumpkins preach. And as long as they're preaching the word of God, I believe God will get the glory. I've heard preachers shout and, and dance around on the pulpit area, and they, they've got so much charisma and so much energy, and I've seen people just stand very still and never show any emotion. Thank you, Brother Bobby Brindle. How many of you ever watched or heard Bobby Brindle preach? Bobby Brindle, he's, his, his title is the world's smallest evangelist. I don't remember exactly how tall he was, three foot something, just a little bitty fellow. First time I ever saw him was down at Homosassa Springs at Solid Rock Baptist Church for the Wiley Wooten. And uh, I come in a little bit late and stepped out. And uh, he was standing there. His, his, his upper body looked normal. I noticed, Brother Kenny, that his voice was really high-pitched, but I didn't pay any attention to it. And I found my place on the front pew, and still, I noticed something a little bit behind the pulpit, but I wasn't paying that much attention. Next thing I know, he got in a big way. And Miss Hannah, this joker turned a little bit, still looked fine. And all of a sudden, I lost him. What was behind the pulpit was a platform with stairs. And he went down one side, and I couldn't see him. I said, where did he go? I didn't even know much about the rapture then, but I thought it just happened, and I got left. And next thing I know, he's as quick as lightning. Next thing I know, he was right there beside the pulpit, and I was scared to death. Why? I'm still reeling. Where in the world did he go? Well, now, where in the world did he come from? That joker began to preach. Last time I heard him preach was, was it in Knoxville? Was he at the church there? I, I can't remember. It's either in Cross Fuller at, at Cedar Bluff, and, and he had a little uh, electric scooter. And he couldn't get around very good, so he, he went everywhere with that. And he got to talking about those ravens over there that brought the prophet food. And he said those, those ravens were equipped with saddlebags full of food. Now, now you just have to know Brother, brother Bobby Brendan, but he got his foot, little bitty leg, crooked around the handle of that little moped wheelchair thing, and he began to shout, and he began to talk about how God supplies even the lowliest people, even the most loneliest people, even the most the poorest people with his blessings from on high. I've heard all kinds of different preachers. And as long as they stay with this book, as long as they stay in this book, and as long as they preach Jesus, then I'm okay with it. He says, I have no eloquence. He says, I have no authority. God said differently. He said, you need to preach me. You need to remember, what did I say there in 1 Corinthians 1, 21? It, is, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Lastly, I had no inclination. I had no inclination. Now, you don't find this word in, in this chapter 4, but you'll find the idea. It says there in verse 12, Now therefore go. God says, I will be with thy mouth and teach thee what thou shalt say. Then he goes on and says, And he said, O my Lord, send, I pray thee, by the hand of him whom thou wilt send. So essentially, Moses here is saying, Lord, I've heard everything you've said in the last two chapters, but if you don't mind, just send somebody else. I've got too many 
excuses that I'm holding on to. God, I don't want to go. I need you just to go ahead and call. I need you to go ahead and send somebody else. And so, verse number 14, And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. God's anger. Look at verse number. Let's see if I can find it. Look as Matthew Henry. He said this about the anger of God. He said, when this plea was overruled and all his excuses were answered, all of Moses' excuses were answered, he begged that God would send somebody else on this errand and leave him to keep sheep in Midian. He says, God, I want you just to send, I pray thee, by the hand of him whom thou wilt send. Send somebody else. Send by any hand but mine. Thou canst certainly find one much more fit. Have you ever said that when God's told you to do something? You said, Lord, just send him. Has God ever said, I want you to put $100 bills in an offering plate? You said, Lord, he makes a whole lot more than me. Won't you get him to do that? No, God asked you to do that. He says, Matthew Henry says, An unwilling mind will take up with a sorry excuse rather than none, and is willing to devolve those services upon others which have anything of difficulty or danger in them. You do realize that sometimes God calls us to do things that are not pleasing to our flesh. Not only that, he calls us to do things that may be danger or difficult. Being a child of God, being a Christian is not always easy. It's not always a bed of roses. Sometimes this difficult path may be a path of loss. Maybe you've rode the coattail of somebody and it's time for you to man up. It's time for you to be that person that God wants you to be. Quit depending on someone else. It could be that God wants you to do service and you will be all alone. You think about Isaiah over in Isaiah chapter 6. He heard God's call. He said, here am I. Send me. See, I want you to go to a people that will not hear you. I want you to preach a message that they will not accept. There will only be a few. It could be. Now, I'm not talking just, just men. Y'all need to understand that. I'm not talking about God calling anyone to preach. I'm not, that's, not, that's the furthest thing from my mind this morning. I'm talking about making excuses in the service for God. Moses has given some excuses here, and every one of them up to this point, God has answered and says, I will be with you. I will teach you. You just go in my name. Don't worry, Moses. We'll take care. It'll be okay. But now he says, God, I've heard what you've said. I appreciate all the confidence you have in me. I appreciate that you're going to be right there with me. If it's all the same to you, just send somebody else. Amen. God, man. It made God mad, but yet, he said, I will send Aaron, thy brother. Verse 14. Is not Aaron the Levite, thy brother? He says, I know he can speak. He said, behold, he cometh. He's going to meet you. He seeth thee, and when he seeth thee, he will be glad in his heart. He said, I'm going to send somebody that's on fire. 
I'm going to send somebody that's happy about serving, even a secondhand servitude. Sometimes God calls us to be the wingman. I don't know if that's right to say in church. Sometimes God don't want people to be in the spotlight all the time. He might want, I'm going I'm to try to help all of us because I need to be reminded of this every once in a while. Sometimes God wants you to wipe a toilet seat. Sometimes God wants you to clean a commode. Sometimes God wants you to do the most base thing in service to him to know that you are still a servant of Christ. Yes, yeah, sometimes God may God may put your name out on that, that uh, sign out there. These bold black and red letters, lights behind it. It, it may be. My, God, might, my, God might do that. I don't know. But I want you to know today that sometimes God will have you play second fiddle. And God will have you in the background. Now that's just a side note. Gotta hurt. Moses should have obeyed the Lord in simple dependence, knowing that his commandments are his enablements. God never asked us to do anything without giving us power to do. I say this all the time, and I hope that you don't get tired of hearing it. If, if you do, please forgive me. But at the end of 2018, when God confirmed in my heart that we were to move to America's Georgia, on paper, you can ask my wife, on paper, it did not make sense. Financially, it didn't make sense. We were going to be in a mess. Financially, we were going to be in a mess. It did not make sense because of the, the progress that we were making there. It did not all make sense, Brother David. And I fought for the solid month of October in 2018. I fought with God saying it's not time. And Rachel, I convinced myself that it was not time. And I convinced myself that God was telling me that it wasn't time. The last Friday night of October in 2018, God gave me an ultimatum. And essentially said this. I don't even know how to explain it. But essentially says, you're either going to leave everything that you are holding on to and follow me or you're going to stay in your comforts and you're going to be out of my will and you will face judgment for that. Just as, just as Brother Jim, just as real as I'm standing here, God spoke those things in my heart. And it's at that point that I had to say, yes. It's at that point that I had to to get rid of James Eugene Burke and lay him on that altar. You can ask my wife. I grabbed her by the hand. We went, went down to the altar and, and I told her, baby, the answer's got to be yes. I had to lay it down. I have no, no, I had no authority to be here. I mean, my goodness, look who had already been here. I had no education. I had no, no charisma. I had none of these things that were going, but God, I told you. And God brought us to this place. So I say this again. God never asked us to do anything without giving us power 
to do it. All those things that didn't make sense on paper, they still don't make sense on paper. But we're better off now than we ever were before. We've got more peace now than we ever had before. We've got more freedom now, both physically and spiritually, than we ever had before. How does that even happen? Because God has enabled us to do His work. William McDonald said, because Moses was not satisfied with God's best, he had to take God's second best. That is, having to take Aaron as his spokesman. God's best was Moses. That's who God called. He didn't call Aaron. He called Moses. But Moses gave him excuses. And so God brought in Aaron. Benjamin Franklin once said, He that is good for making excuses is seldom good for anything else. Well, I've been guilty of that. George Washington said, It is better to offer no excuse than a bad one. Brother Terry, I believe he'd been better off if he had stopped in verse 22. It'd been better off for him to stop with all the questions with, I have no eloquence. He would have been better off, but instead, he says, I have no inclination. God, just go ahead and send somebody else. He'd been better off. Well, we see that even through this, again, you look at Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, and again, you see that New Testament answer that God is going to be there. He's going to work in the will and in His good pleasure. Now, I'll tell you this, and I'm going to close. Y'all can say amen right there. It's been almost an hour. Y'all better hope we start two services on Sunday. I told you in... in 1993, I answered the call to preach. And I wanted to preach, Miss Pat. For years, I, I wanted to preach. Even before I got saved, Brother David, I wanted to preach. But God never called me. And it was it was sometime during that year, that that 1993, that God began to work on a friend of mine. I've told you this before. God began to convict him about preaching. And we talked about it, we talked about it, prayed with him. And, and thankfully, I never never dealt with jealousy. I never I never tried to talk him out of it, Brother Jody. I, I, I tried, really tried. I mean, I, we're both young, 32 and 12, 13. I was trying to encourage him, man, I tell you, if God's doing this, you better do it. I mean, even though I was a young Christian, I had already seen and heard how other men had had fallen and heard testimony. And I said, man, you, 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 better, you better do it. We went to camp meeting. Sometime during October, we went to camp meeting. And he fought with it the whole time. But we prayed. My dad and I, we prayed with him. And he talked to our pastor and, and all of these things. We got back from camp meeting. And little by little, he, he just he quit going. But after that camp meeting, God began to deal with my heart. Brother David, I told you, I, I wanted to preach. But God was calling somebody else. But because he kept making excuses, God began to deal with my heart. So I guess, in effect, I'm an Aaron. Now, don't, don't, don't read too much into that now. But I firmly believe that God was calling him to preach. 
And because he kept making excuses, and because he kept running, God called me. God asked me to preach. But you know what I did? As much courage, as much as I wanted to preach, I still fought it. Because the whole time I was, I was hearing the Lord call me to preach, I was, I was making up whispers of everyone else, saying, "Well, he's just, do, he's just going to surrender because so and so surrendered, or because God was calling him. He's always wanted to preach." I had to get beyond all of those things and just finally lay it all to God and let God take it from there. The inclination to preach was there. I, I wanted to preach. But there was a fear. But I'm glad for that day, like I told you, it was November 14, 1993. It was a Sunday morning. I don't remember anything about the service. For some reason, I remember my dad being right there with me. And he never, he never sat on the front pew with me. But I remember both of us going down to the altar and my dad praying with me. And I remember giving my heart, my whole heart, to God for service. And I remember saying, God, I don't know why. And I sure don't know how. But God, I'm just going to trust you. People have tried to talk me out of it. They've tried to convince me that I was not called to preach. They've tried all kinds of different things. All I can point them back to is God. It's only and if God's called you to service, whether it's in the ministry or some other service, don't let people talk you out of it. If you're doing a work for God, continue in that work. As long as God is in it, do it. There are things that God has called each of us to do. I believe he's called some to do some things. He's called every one of us to do something right now, and that's to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I have to ask you, what are you going to do with this call? There's going to be some that has an emotional response to it. There's going to be some that that uh, that they might answer a call to service. They might answer a call to repentance. They may answer a call to salvation. Maybe God has been calling and calling and calling and calling you to be saved. And you've made excuse after excuse. You've depended on religion. You've You've depended on tradition. You've depended on your, your family history. You've depended on everything. But you've not depended on God. Maybe it's God that you need to depend on. Maybe it's, maybe today is a burning bush type day. And you've seen God. You can't explain it. But you know God's calling to you. If I were you, I would answer the call of God. Maybe God's put something in your heart. He wants you to do something. I'd search the scriptures. I'd seek him. I would submit to him. Maybe God wants you to repent. Maybe there's some things in your life you know without a shadow of a doubt that you're saved, but you there's something that needs to be fixed. There's something missing. Maybe God's calling you to repent. You can excuse it all you want to. But if that Holy Ghost is convicting you, you need to draw closer to him. Seek him. Let's pray. Dear Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your blessings and Lord, for the message.
God, I ask you tonight or today that you might just touch, Lord, everyone that's here. God, some that couldn't make it today and others hopefully will watch the video later. We pray that, that you would just uh, speak to their hearts. God, I pray that nothing can be said today that might cause doubt in someone's heart about your calling. God, we ask you, if you will, just to, to move in our midst today, and this afternoon, and this evening, and, and throughout the week. If you're calling someone, I pray that you would clarify that call. Lord, if they're making excuses, Lord, I pray that you would be patient, be long-suffering with them, and answer each excuse. God, I pray that you would continue to call. Lord, we love you today. We thank you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right.